Hello everyone, I'm your host Vivian and today our guest will be Isabel, who is a designer, speaker, life coach, as well as an advocate for sustainability in the fashion industry. As a former fashion and shopping addict herself, Isabel had a turbulent relationship with clothing, of which she has been able to resolve over the course of several years. Continue listening to learn about how she was able to recover and how it turned her life around. Hi, Isabella. Thank you so much for uh, meeting with me today. So excited for our podcast. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. So first start off, to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you what you do these days. All right. So let's start off. I am a creative entrepreneur and right now I'm focusing on life coaching, sustainable consulting and motivational speaking. And the mission is I teach women how to overcome fashion addiction by increasing their self-love, their self-respect and to live more sustainably. And I share my personal journey from fashion addict to fashion advocate through my YouTube channel my award-winning documentary, Fashion Addict, and presentations I give at colleges and universities nationwide. Great. Okay, so for all the listeners who didn't read your website, like me, what led you to this career and what events led you to what you're doing nowadays? Ooh, okay, well, I've had a whirlwind of uh, <laughs> um, journey. So let's, I would say I've always loved fashion since the age of 10. And that is when my grandmother taught me how to do some alterations, really simple alterations. And I knew then that I wanted to be in fashion and fast forward to today, I've actually been in the fashion industry for over 25 years and almost every single part of the industry, which means I've been everything from retail to manufacturing, to sewing, to film, commercials, operations, everything. (laughs) Um, But When I first started in the fashion industry, I was part of the problem because I was actually producing my my own women's wear brand and I wasn't really caring about the consequences. I'd had no idea of all the damaging effects that it could have. And I was actually in five stores overproducing inventory. And then also in my personal life, I was also part of the problem as well. But it wasn't until 2015, I watched the movie True Cost and that changed my whole perspective of the industry. And then I started researching everything. And then I decided I can't be producing clothing all the time. So I went from producing clothing into art to producing film to doing speaking presentations to helping and life coaching now, which that was the business aspect of my life. But my personal aspect at the age of 26, I had a phone call and that was the wake up call that I needed to change turn and turn my life around. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, another question that just popped up when you were talking, when you were a fashion designer or you had your own brand and everything, were you, were your clothes made ethically and were you aware of where your clothes were coming from and how they were produced? So funny enough, I actually was producing them in, cause this is when I was living in Dallas, Texas. So I was producing them locally in Dallas, Texas. I had my own, I had a production there mm-hmm. um, and then had my own sewers, my pattern makers. However, the fabric, when I first, first started, I still geared towards using natural fabrics of so cottons and wools and silks. 
but I didn't know where exactly some of those silks were coming from. If they were ethically made, probably not. And then, and this was even before I even watched it to, to true cost. And then I ended up moving more into organic fabrics just because I had heard of it like, oh, organic cotton. Let me use organic cotton and like silk. And then let me not use leather uh, just because what's funny is like, I didn't use it because it was expensive, not because of what was going on. So it was kind of like my, I always like to say my moral compass kind of knew and was trying to go in the right <laughs> direction, even though I was overproducing and yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Would you say the documentary or the phone call was like the big turning point for you? And how were you able to recover after realizing all that you were doing to yourself? So yeah, so then I can explain. So the phone call was definitely the pivotal point because at that point, I might close in the five stores. I was dressing VIP celebrities, socialites in Dallas, Texas. I was in magazines, like all all kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. But- on the personal side, no one knew what I was going through. And so I got a phone call from my brother and he was like, Hey, what's going on? I got a call from the insurance company and your car's about to get repossessed. And I said, Oh, you know, it's just business expenses. I'm a little behind. But as soon as I hung up the phone, I could see like all of my dreams of being like this global fashion brand. Cause that my dream was to be like international, be like Marc Jacobs, be like Gucci. Right. Yeah. So I just saw that crumble. And the truth was I hadn't paid my bills, my rent. I was living pretty much out of my car, going from one boyfriend's house to the next house. And I was $100,000 in debt of just clothing, not student loans or business expenses, because on the business side, I actually had an investor. And so that I would say was the most pivotal point in my life, because right after, you know, I had two choices. To continue doing the same thing or to actually turn my life around. And that's when I, I put myself into debt management program, got a full-time job again and started seeing a counselor. <laughs> oh, wow. so did you end before, if you started a full-time job, what happened to your uh, clothing brand? So sadly enough, but actually it was actually good. At the same time, a week after that phone call, I lost my investor. So I actually had to put everything on hold and I would still, you know, it's like, what's, what's that saying? What people, what I would put out, no one really knew what was going on. Right. It's just, I kind of slowed down my brand. So yeah. I was just doing custom orders. Cause then I was just working full-time most of the time. But if any old clients would need something, I was like, yeah, I'll make it for you. I'm just kind of slowing down on my brand. Cause I'm going to quote unquote rebirth. But at that point I'm like, Oh my God, I got to pay off my debt. Like I can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> How are you able to uh, pay off your debt uh, and, and then like carry on after that? Oh, so it was, so what's interesting. I actually just had a live on my Instagram talking about this. What's interesting was the hard part wasn't actually paying off the debt because once you get a plan of action and start like different jobs and being consistent, the harder part that I was, was battling with myself and changing my habits. Because fashion addiction is just like a, being addicted to drugs, being addicted to alcohol. Mm-hmm. So it's admitting to I was an addict and then realizing how I had been living my life for so long and being, being like the word, the term ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. So then once I started to face that, then I had to work with myself and build self-love, self-respect, being really hu- like really honest. And that's 
That includes the going through the feelings of pain, guilt, shame, and realizing, oh my God. But the good thing is that once I kept facing my truths, then I healed. And then once I healed my determination, my self-love increased, and then my debt actually steadily decreased because then I started putting a plan to action. Now it wasn't easy there because there would be, let's say for a month, I would say, I'm not going to buy anything. I'm not going to go to the stores. You know, I'm going to, I would be really good for a month, but then the next month there comes my sabotaging self saying, screw this. I want to go out and I want to go have fun. And I want to take, just do whatever I want to do. And I'll, I'll, let me buy something. So it's, it's interesting. So it's, it was that battle, but it took me seven years to pay off my debt. And I had so many side hustles, three jobs all the time and all my different gigs. So I was, I was, it was going, so I went from paying 25 bucks a month all the way to towards the end when I was paying $2,000 a month to pay it off. Oh, wow. That's was, a lot. So it was kind of like a, inching towards that yeah the final yeah incrementally increasing I guess anyway so you um mentioned how shopping addiction is similar to like a drug addiction and obviously drug drug addicts have withdrawal when they don't have like whatever drug it is that they use did you go through that with shopping and how are you able to overcome that intense desire to go back to your old habit and was it, was there like, uh, were there in the middle where you did go back and you kind of had to start over from square one? Yeah. So what's interesting. Yes. That's a good question. I had a lot of withdrawals because it is like, it's weaning yourself off of it. So how I first started was, and this is actually a homework I give to my life coaching students. And then, um, I'm also on the, pro- in the process of building a course, but it's, I literally had to track one, how much I was spending a month and how many times I was going shopping. Mm -hmm. But then the other questions that followed was what am I purchasing? And then why, why am I shopping? Mm -hmm. So I, I started keeping track of that. Obviously there are some, when I first started, I'm like, Oh, I need a scarf or I need this because it's on sale. But then as I kept progressing and working on myself as well, and like, facing some more issues and being more honest. And it started getting to the point. I was like, well, I actually, although I didn't go shopping as much this month, I only went twice, which would be completely, let's like almost 50% of the time that I would be shopping. Cause I was going like every single weekend, mm-hmm. but I went shopping because I dumped by a boyfriend or I was lonely or I was bored. And during that same time, as I'm getting better with my shopping, I just started to get to the point where I was like, I, I got to stop shopping completely. So I, it's just like any, it depends on what you're addicted to, but I feel that I had to completely stop. So then I can go back and see it in a new perspective, mm-hmm. but it, I actually didn't shop for a, almost two years. And in the beginning I had to replace shopping with another behavior. So I actually replaced it with sewing and then that at that point, like more sewing, right? I was still sewing and making samples and stuff, but I had hired sewers. But at this point I was like, no, I can't shop. Like I have so much debt at seven max out credit. I was like, I have to pay off this debt. Like wh- what am I doing? Yeah. So I had to consistently, every time I had the urge to go shopping or go window shopping, I would leave my, my credit cards at home. And then I would crave that feeling because it's the, 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 it's the,
I would I would like feel that instant gratification. And then what I also did, I had, a, I had, I erased all of my shopping apps off my phone. So it was that it's continuing to change my behaviors when I had that craving, or let's say I saw something in the, the subway that I, I wanted, like a pair of shoes. It's like, no, Isabel, like, look at what you're doing. Look where you're at. You're halfway there. And I also started to replace that thinking as that behavior and thinking as well as like, what else could I be using for that money for my future? Look at what my, I'm like in my thirties, I don't have a savings, like, hello, this is not good. So it's, it's that constant battling. So I was, I definitely have withdrawals because there were days I just, I would taunt myself to the wind, like go wind, but then I would be really upset with myself. I was like, come on, seriously. <laughs> yeah, too. Is there like, after the instant gratification, there's like guilt because you didn't do what you thought you would do. Also, you just mentioned how you went two years without shopping, which is honestly really impressive in my opinion. What changes in your life did you see? Were you overwhelmed with, I don't know, the desire to shop or were you just in line because you didn't have a burden anymore? So it was actually both because I had to, it was a process, but what really helped was actually during that time too, I saw the movie True Cost and that's when seeing what was really going on in the industry, then I got really upset because I didn't even know what was going on. And then of course I'll take my responsibility where I didn't research. I didn't ask those questions. And then at that point I was like, Oh my God. So that actually helped me to stop shopping as well, because I just saw like, this is disgusting what's going on. And I was a part of it. Like I can't be doing this. And that's when I started to shift even more, some more of my behaviors. Cause then I started to ask even more questions. So I started changing the, the, my food. Um, I started changing all of my products. I started making my products. Cause at this point I'm trying to save as much money. Right. Yeah. And I became super resourceful. And then that's where upcycling came in. And I started upcycling all my pieces, like anything that I needed. If I needed something, I'll I'll just make it. What do I have? And then I started just shopping in my closet. And then that's where things started happening, where I noticed that every time I would declutter my closet, it's like this another emotional, like I would say emotional episode, because it was so difficult to let go of all these clothes. But it it was letting go of an old part of me. That was no, it was, it wasn't me anymore. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what actually inspired my documentary. And it just, all those different tries helped me to continue, you know, staying focused on my not shopping because I, I didn't want to go back prematurely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's, I wanted to make sure I was okay enough. And then what's funny is whenever I, I actually had a, I had had to buy had to buy some underwear I was like oh my god it's been like it's been a while (laughs) so then I but I didn't get the same I know it's funny but I did get the same feeling because I actually went and I actually bought the brand PACT packed and I went to Whole Foods I was like they're fair trade let me let me start because I want to start if I'm going to buy something if I'm not going to make it I want to do my research and see Mm -hmm. are they doing a good you know are they doing good for the world so those were my first that was my first purchase. And I didn't get that same feeling of like, as soon as I get into the room, I'm like, oh my God, I have to get like, I have to get like everything's like, no, I'm going to Whole Foods. I need to go buy this underwear. Cause that's where it says it's like right down the street. 
get my underwear and then go home. That's it. And then I noticed, oh my God, I, I, I don't have this feeling anymore. So it was super exciting and, and like empowering that day mm-hmm. that, oh my God, I think that feeling's gone. But of course, it's like, am I sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then when I needed something else, I went to like, let's say like four months later, I needed to get some, I think it was probably, it was some leggings and a bra. Cause then there's another story that I share about um, my own personal, but mm-hmm. my own personal life and like dealing with body image and stuff. But I didn't get that same feeling. I, I was, I went to Nordstrom and I didn't get that feeling. I was like, I just need to get a bra and this, and then that's it. That's all I need. So it was, it's really cool to see, but it was, it was, it was a process. Mm -hmm. When were you like completely hundred percent sure that you weren't gonna fall back in your whole old habits or have that feeling of like really crazy excitement when you walk into a store again, or was it like a gradual kind of realization? I would say it was a gradual realization, but it didn't, I wouldn't say it like solidified until I actually paid off my debt Mm -hmm. and, and realized oh my God, I don't have to have the same little song that I would sing like, God, I I can't wait to pay this off. I'm so, I can't believe I've, you know, it's like too much self-harshness, but once I paid it off, I'm like, oh my God, I can actually start saving. And then that's what helped savings. Saving to me felt better than spending Mm -hmm. because every time now that I, and I still do this every time I need it, it's like, do I really need it? What do I have? What, and that could be with anything. It could be houseware, bedding, curtains, anything. Do I really need it? Is there something I can do with this that can I can update it? Because that amount of money that I'm going to spend on it, I could put it away in savings and then now can invest in it. It's like, hmm. So it that's been a complete change. Cause back then it's like, oh, I need it. I don't know. I don't know. I hope one of my cards go through because they're all they're they're all maxed out. For anyone with a shopping addiction, how would you recommend them? Like, what's the first step to recovery that you would say? And yeah, what should they do? What steps to take? So the first step is always admitting that you actually have a problem. But that's always difficult, right? Because I've had a few people that come in like, well, like, you know, I didn't have $100,000 in debt, but I have like $20,000 in debt. And what that's when I give them like a few things that they can start doing, which is tracking their money, tracking how much they're shopping, tracking why they're doing what they're doing. I'm actually building a checklist because there's also things that you can watch for your own behavior because I used to hide packages from my boyfriend. I would come I'm always transferring balances, feeling guilty after purchasing. Once I build that list, It'll actually be on my, um, it'll be on my website, but it, it'll be a free checklist to start looking at that. Cause that's actually something that I realized, oh, a, a lot of people need because it is scary. It is difficult to look at that. It is, it's overwhelming to admit you have an issue that you have an addiction. It's like, oh my God, am I shopping too much? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's being honest, but like, really brutally honest with yourself and if someone were to call you a fashion addict or shopaholic are you going to get defensive because that was something that some of my friends would say god you shop a lot i would always get angry 
But again, we don't get defensive when we hear a lie. We get defensive when we hear a truth that we're not ready to accept. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm going to make a checklist, but those are like what, what I just, I think five or six pieces. And then the other thing too, is looking at your closet and what you have in there, because most of the time it's so packed with so many things. And whenever you find yourself saying, I don't have anything to wear and your closet's busting out, (laughs) you got to look at your behaviors. There's something that's going on that you're not like, it's time to look at your behaviors and intentions because you may have an issue. Um, you have a, may have a problem. You may be do you may be buying too much. Mm-hmm. So I've never even heard of like I mean I knew shop, shopaholic and shop addiction, but I never knew it was like a very serious problem that affects everything in your life. Why do you think this addic- this type of addic- addiction is so widespread yet so little talked about? So this is a scary statistic that I didn't even know, but so there's a statistic that says 6% of the entire population, which is 475 million people are addicted to shopping, compulsive buying, and they have those disorders. And 90% of that is what are women. So, because it's, it's twofold, right? So fashion is socially sanctioned. And that means it's fashion and shopping is socially accepted and it's quote unquote, essential for society to regulate itself, to maintain order, because it is a, it's a billion dollar industry. It's also celebrity driven and modern marketing. Here's one of the facts I put up. Uh, Modern marketing exploits your insecurity for profit. So it becomes, it's like, we're so used to seeing all the ads in market saying, get this, you'll feel better. Wear this, you'll look like this. Buy this, you'll have a bigger butt. You'll have bigger boobs. You'll feel sexy. You'll feel confident. You'll look like your famous celebrity, right? All these things, but it's so unrealistic. And with the quote unquote beauty standards, how this is how you should look, how what you should wear to feel confident and to feel like you're enough and to feel quote unquote happy. That's the side of the issue. And then the other side is we have a choice. We have a choice to not listen to the marketing and advertising. You know, what would the world be like if there was advertising saying, you don't need this. And this is a natural product that will help you. You know, it's changing how advertising and how PR is because it's obviously it's the way it's marketed, that's how they're going to make money because they know the brands and the industries hire psychologists. So they know how to sell and how to, what to pinpoint and what are, what are your pain points? It's just a, this vicious cycle. And then it goes to us where we believe that, hello, I did for so long. And I fell into that narrative thinking, well, if I buy this, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to quote unquote, be successful. And it also stems from even your own cultures as well. You know, growing up things, the more things you had, designer clothes you wore, this all meant you had some kind of, now you're higher class. Now you're like, you're rich, Yeah. but in material things, but it's, we can't fill anything we can't fill a spiritual void with material items. Trust me. I tried, I tried it with my 300 pairs of shoes that never worked because <laughs> it was only like an instant gratification. It's like, you're always chasing something that's mm. never going to help you. Yeah. 
You mentioned how a lot of marketing teams are like targeting your insecurities and all that. But I also noticed how recently, I think they must have noticed, like society is kind of gearing towards the more ethical and more environmental side, which is why there's this term called greenwashing that popped up, where like uh, companies basically like lie to you and tell you they're ethical. How are we supposed to um, consume ethically while they're feeding us these lies? That is such a great question. It's difficult because it's, Oh, there's, cause there's two sides, right? Let's say H and M. So let's, let's look at, there's two sides. Cause I like to look at both sides. Cause with a company like H and M, let's say now they have a sustainable line. Let me put quote unquote. I got to say that out loud. Yeah. Sustainable line. Now what that happened, what, how that helps now, listen, because now it's hitting, I would say like middle America, like the massive that doesn't know so much about sustainability. So now they get this new term and this new word and it gets them curious right now. Like, what is that? Cause not everyone is aware. Even my, I remember when I first started in sustainability, what was it like four or five years ago now? Oh no, six years ago and learning about it. Mm-hmm. I remember mentioning it to my, my brothers and other friends that are in other industries. It could be the law, the, in the law industry, in the medical industry, engineering industry, they had no idea because they're not really into fashion or like sustainability. They want to be healthy. But when I told them about sustainability, they're like, what? And then when I shared with them what H&M was doing and how all these different chemicals and like, if you keep purchasing these, purchasing these clothing for your children, you're actually putting even more chemicals into their body. So then that helped them to wake up. So that's like a positive side of it. However, it's still majorly, I believe it's still majorly more negative because it is, you're lying. It's, it's a facade again. And it's, and it's just for them, these companies to make more money and more profit. And they're still not, they're still not paying their workers ethically. Ooh. And I actually recommend to your audience. I just, I'm still reading it. You can read it or audible. It's called the day the world stops shopping by JB McKinnon and actually talks about uh, what would happen theoretically to the world if everyone stopped shopping. Oh, it's so good. But there was one company, all they had to do was to, I believe it's to charge 20 cents higher per garment. That would actually help the workers to live and have more money than living at poverty level, just 20 cents. And that's like a huge company, right? A huge, like mass, fast fashion, big box store, 20 cents. So that to me was just so frustrating to hear. It's like, oh my God, if people would just be less greedy, because there can be a balance. It's just people need to be less greedy. Yeah. And then it's just, it's finding that balance. Oh, I get, I get um, all riled up talking about that. I'll definitely look into that book because that would be so cool to know about. Also on the topic of greediness, not only are huge corporate companies like H&M or I don't know, Forever 21, they're greedy, but also I think consumers are often greedy because I know a lot of friends who shop tons and tons and tons from fast fashion companies like Shane or whatever, those kind of, there's, there's like really cheap stuff, but they know about the effects 
of these companies, why do you think they still choose to do what they do instead of just not doing it and saving the world? It's kind of, it goes back to the mental health aspect. And that's why it's not talked about because it's difficult. It's like, if, if people were to start talking about that, that actually affects the industry. Mm -hmm. So the economy. So I would say it still goes back to the mental health. It's you get one, it's easier. It's more convenient. And we're still living and we still have the mentality of convenience, chap, faster. You still need to go into the point of why am I buying? Why do I need all these things? Mm -hmm. And even if it's cheaper, it's it's not cheaper because if it's costing the equivalent to a sandwich, you know that a lot of people aren't getting paid for that. It's like $4 for something. No, someone, someone down the line is getting abused and exploited. And then the other thing too is it's the mindset. So whenever we buy cheap, we think, oh, we're saving money. But in reality, I don't know who said this quote, but I have, it says it's too expensive to be cheap. So if you think about it, if you're constantly buying things that are falling apart, so you're spending every year, you're buying like two pairs of pants that are 20 bucks and you multiply that by five, right? That's 200 bucks. And you're only wearing them once because the seams keep popping or this, you know, busting open and then you're throwing it away. So now you're causing even more pollution, but think about it. If you invested in one pair that actually will last you a little bit longer and you're able to wear it 30 times. So let's say you invest a hundred dollars in a pair of pants, you wear it 30 times over 10 years, that garment now costs you like $3 per wear. So you're actually saving money because, and money, time, environment. And then you also get a new perspective because again, the new, the quote unquote, quote, new shiny object syndrome that gives us that, that hit of dopamine. So it's looking at that side. It's, it's something that we really need to be discussing. But like I said, it's hidden for a reason. Yeah. Until, until I came in. (laughs) (laughs) I heard this fact somewhere that actually like opening packages or like opening anything new actually gives you like a boost of dopamine. So I guess that's why people shop so much when they're sad or go through a breakup or things like that. So yeah, just an interesting connection I just made in my head. But yeah, uh, I guess our time's almost ending here. So I'll just have another question. Would you recommend them to read or write to be more knowledgeable about the fashion industry and the consequences of shopping? I mean, shopping not ethically. Oh, like something to help them to look in. Oh, so I would definitely everyone this everyone's homework. You got to watch the true cost. Mm -hmm. You can even watch. There's some another book is actually the book. I just the the day the world, the day the world stopped shopping by J.B. McKinnon. There's also the conscious closet by Elizabeth Klein. And then an app that will help you to help you to find ethical brands like fair trade brands is called the good on you app. I know it's for iOS. I don't know if it's for Android. Um, And then fashion revolution is another company to follow or actually nonprofit. And also remake is another nonprofit that I'm, I'm actually an ambassador of. And then if you're in New York, 
New York City Fair Trade Coalition, and there's actually different fair trade organizations located in the U.S., uh -huh. and they're really big on sustainability and not just apparel, but coffee, chocolate, housewares, furniture. So it's diving into that realm, and then you just open Pandora's box of all these things that people are doing around the world because it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty amazing whenever you do start researching there, there are a lot of people trying to do better. Mm -hmm. And then shop in your closet first, I re recommend. And then if you need something doesn't fit, start finding a local tailor to work with. And then you still need something new shop at a swap shop, because you still keep it in a circular economy, mm -hmm. or thrift store. And if you really need something still, I would go on the good on you app and then look for a locally made brand. And then I would personally go and ask them because there's brands that I only work, work with and buy from because I personally know them. So those are my suggestions. Very good. Oh, I, I also, um, you said shop in your own closet, but I also shop in my mom's closet. So for so any of the listeners out there, if you have a mom who has good style, go ahead, shop in her closet. Yes. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me today. And I love talking to you and listening to your story. It was really interesting. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course, anytime. As always, check out our website at neonarrators.org for information on being a guest for this podcast. You can also contact us through our email neonarrators at gmail.com or follow us on our Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Thank you.